Hi, I'm Todd Warner-Moore. I'm a singer-songwriter, and this is You Haven't Heard This Music Podcast. Welcome once again to an exciting, fun-packed edition of You Haven't Heard This Music Podcast. A podcast about lesser-known music and lesser-known artists and lesser-known presenters and everything, <laughs> really. Um, so, here in the studio, uh, I'm, I'm Neil, by the way. Here in the studio, I have to my immediate left, Richard. Say hello, Richard. Good day. And to my oh, far left, I have Wayne. Hello. And on the line, all the way from... Remind me of the name China. of your... China. Hong Kong. It's, <laughs> we, we, we have our special guest, Todd Warner-Moore. Hello, Todd. Hi, guys. How are you? Yeah, we're all right, mate. We're Thanks. good. We're good. We're not four o'clock in the morning, so we're all right. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's a time difference. So uh, Todd has graciously, graciously agreed to humour uh, us. <laughs> Uh, record at nine o'clock our time, which is four a.m. his time. Thank, thank you. Tom. Yes, yes. Thank You're you welcome. Appreciated. So, what can we expect for tonight's show? As always, we have five rounds of thrilling entertainment. We start with our head-to-head round, where we will uh, we will each bring uh, each of the team members will bring a, a song which we pit against each other to determine who will who will have the best song of the week. What's going to happen? Who knows? It is exciting. <laughs> we then bounce on to our hidden masterpiece round where Todd will be bringing a, um, a lesser-known song by a famous artist. What, um, what do you bring as your hidden masterpiece for us, Todd? I'm doing a Beatles song, actually, but so really none of them are hidden, but it's Tomorrow Never Knows, which I think is one of the greatest songs of all time, but it's not really on their playlists or anything. Okay. Very good. So we'll, we'll get into more of that later. We then have our Forgotten Classic round, which again will be brought by uh, our guest as always. What, what uh, Forgotten Classic have you got for us, Todd? These are all old ones. I'm doing Prince, Sign of the Times. It's just a little uh, dated, some of the lyrics, but, you know, it was Mm. bigger back in its time. Very good. And then we have, uh, warning, you might want to shield your ears for this, my favourite round, the Intense Hardcore Genre Musical Challenge Mode Go! A round where a member of the team is challenged to bring music of an obscure genre. I was challenged with Bluegrass Punk this time round, and I have bought the song Freak Flag by Granny for Barrel. And then we will end, as always, with our artist spotlight round, where Todd will uh, present his uh, latest song, which I believe is an exclusive that hasn't even been released yet. Is that the case? That is the case, yes. What's the name of the song you're bringing, Todd? Starry Sounds. It's the name of the album, too. And, yeah, it's the opening song on the album. Excellent. So, without further ado, let us move on to our head-to-head challenge. Head-to-head! Noggin to noggin. Right, and I believe I, I believe <laughs> I um I won last week, did I not? You did now. So uh, I won last week, did I not? The scores on the board at the moment are five to myself, five to Rich, and three to Neil. Two on the bounce, it was Neil. Yeah, it's catching up. So it is. Uh, it, it, I should go first, should I? You yes. should, you should, you should, yes. 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 So, um, my song, this this uh, this episode, is by Jay Stansfield, and the song is Waltzing In. Enjoy. This is a song about 
a broken relationship sitting in the middle of thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds worth of debt contemplating suicide there's the strength of a woman behind you carve your name into my arm pin me up against this wall hear me calling when i fall crush my soul
So that was Waltzing In by uh, Jay Stansfield. Yes, so this is my submission this week. I like it a lot. It's one of the songs, as, as always, that's been sent in to us. What was it about this sort of singled it out to me? Funny story, really, because Rich has started... Rich basically takes all of these submissions that you lovely people have been sending in to us, and he forwards them on to me and Wayne. But what he started doing, he's putting a little caption in the subject field of the email when he forwards them on. So it might be something like, uh, oh, this one's for Neil, or this one's for Wayne, or this is utter dog shit, or we all like this one. And um, his caption for this this particular track was, I don't even know what to do with this, or I don't even know what this is. So that got my attention straight away. I thought, this is going to be right up my alley. So I stuck it on Adelis, and yes, it was a little bit unusual, but I like unusual. I like weird, I like quirky, and I like this Mm -hmm. a lot. It kind of, it put me in mind of a weird hybrid between sort of the Smiths and a very sort of early Sid Barrett era Pink Floyd. In fact, I actually emailed Jay Stansfield, mentioned that we're going to be playing his uh, his song on the podcast and I liked it and I did say is there a Sid Barrett influence in there. Do what did you, he say? Did he, did he hear it? He said, he said, oh, there might be. Okay. It's very, very ambiguous. But, uh, but, but yeah. There wasn't, but there is now. There, yeah. <laughs> he, he kind of, he, he's going to start saying that to all of his geeks now, isn't he? <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just like, I mean, he starts off with that kind of spoken word bit. You know, they're really sort of strained. This is a broken, this is a song about a broken relationship. And it kind of, it's like the musical equivalent of hitting you over the head with a blunt instrument. It's really like um, <laughs> it, it kind of straight away. There's no, there's no escaping what this song's about. It's, it's there. It's laid out in front of you, and then it sort of blends seamlessly into the song itself. Uh, and I like all the sort of experimental stuff, the musicality of the song. There's, there's some lovely bits in, like over the chorus. There's kind of like a hand drum that's that sort of. It feels like it shouldn't belong there, but it works. And the lasers at the end, absolutely incredible. I just, um, yeah, I just love the song. So, um, what what did you think, Rich? What did I think? Hmm. Neil, I'm going to start putting things like, this song is so good, Neil will hate it. In the titles from now on. Because he, I swear to God, he's bringing these songs just to, just to spite me. No, you, you, your comment got my initial attention. I did genuinely like the song. See, I've sent some with, this one's for Neil, Neil will love this one. He's completely ignored them and gone for the one that says, not sure what to do with this. That's, that's, that's Neil, though. That's <laughs> Neil. <laughs> but anyway, this song, it's so fucking strange. Is it bad? No, I don't I, I don't think it's bad. It's, it's just so, so different. It's like you've got this weird, almost depressing message with a lullaby playing in the background, it's 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 almost it almost feels sadistic. It feels like <laughs> something. To, uh, what's his David Firth would write for one of his cartoons, like Salad oh, Fingers. The salad Fingers. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's fantastic, Wayne. Uh, I really don't know what to make of this because there's bits of it I think are brilliant, and there's bits of it that throw me for a loop, and I go, I don't know what he's doing here. On reflection of listening to it again. He's definitely got influences from the streets. Yeah. And I hadn't picked that up that, before, yeah. you know. Yeah. There's definitely Mike Skinner influence in there. Mm. with the vocal, uh, the spoken vocal. You know, he's quite broken. And I understand that because the song is about being broken. You know, and there's bits in, like I say, there's bits in it which I think are really, really good. And there's bits in it I think are really, really bad. I'm, I'm not going to lie and say it's all sunshine and roses, it's not. But has he done that intentionally? I don't know. 
I really it's don't like, know. You know, we, we, we talk a lot about the sincerity of a song and how believable it is, and I, I completely believe every word he sings. Again, I'm completely down the middle. There's bits of it I believe, and there's bits of it I don't. You know, and, and it's a complete black and white song for me. So this, is the, the, this is what I think is... Bit, when I listen to it again and again, I, I feel that maybe he's done that intentionally. It's like a flawed message, and he's portrayed it with a... A yeah. slightly flawed song because he obviously knows his stuff about music. He he's does not sound stupid. very fragile. He on does. The song. The, very see, fragile and broke. That, that's a plus and a minus at the same time for me because I don't I don't get it and it's just not for me. I don't like I say I don't think he's bad. Well, like, I'm in agreement with Rich. He doesn't think he's bad and I don't. I, I'm somewhere in between. I don't. I don't really know. And it's not something you're gonna stick on stick on the, in the background just for a nice bit of pleasant music that's a lot of art is being able to put yourself out there and kind of expose yeah. yourself what do you think Todd right. you give us your two pennies yeah, well, just, just before you carry on Todd I just want to point out that you're one of us tonight so if you want to interject or anything you're like you're the fourth host so if you want to say something <laughs> just get straight in there I well it's it's difficult with you know very vulnerable emotions. I guess the question is, would you rather have some kind of Muzak-type music in the background that doesn't affect you, or on the ex- other extreme, you have music that you know really affects you almost too much, you know, you see, in an I uncomfortable like way? Music. I like me music that causes me pain. But and then, yeah, it's difficult. Um, are you trying to when you when you make music like that? Uh, or, or you know, I've had many songs that are, you know, very uh, emotional. Um, in in the process, there can be kind of a purging that can help you and the listener too. Mm-hmm. But what did you think of the song? <laughs> I, I'm like you guys. I don't know either. You know, I, that's the problem when you when you review some of these songs, you have to listen to them. You know, multiple times sometimes there. I've listened to it multiple times, and I'm still I'm still no wiser now than when I first listened to it. Yeah. I've listened to it multiple really? times. And I love it every, a little bit more every time. <laughs> <laughs> Music is subjective. It really is. Mm. Mm. Well, and that's yeah. okay, so that that's a success then. You know, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. There's uh, definitely a group of people out there that are gonna love this, but I don't think I, they're gonna be many. I think if you can't put your finger on it, though, that's a that's it, yeah, that's a moderate was, success, right? Is it? It was interesting. It was never boring. I'll give it that. It's like uh, Michael Jackson became who he was because he was his music was easy to understand. It was but what it, it was. Depends on your definition of success. That's true. That's true. Oh, this podcast has just gone deep. <laughs> <laughs> so our next artist. <laughs> yeah, so we moving swiftly along. Um, who wants to go next? Wayne. Wayne's nice go- me. Yeah. So I'm going next, Neil, with my song from Harvest Blake and Co. And it's their song, Relief. <laughs> Fantastic thing to waste. Finance use a full ride to brush the paint away. Cause it don't make sense, shadow boxing in the shade. 
dreams within reach. Our strength, our cleats, we sputtering heat. We upgrade, try to be steep. Being a thief, definitive with speech. Unlimited seems derivative, overcomes new. Catch the feeling, it's beat. Every syllable, every line, every rhyme. A lazy boy with a laptop still can't recline. And when I die, bury me in B&D comics. Pay homage to the kid that lived inside. Yeah, to the kid that lived inside, huh? Yeah, and still we thrive like, and still we ride like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we found relief in these pages Boys wage on low wages, seek the master's throne uh, I escape in these days, I run away And all I ask is that you never leave me alone Yeah, we found relief in these pages Boys wage on low wages, seek the master's throne I escape in these days, I run away And all I ask is that you never leave me alone No, nah. never leave me alone No, never leave me alone All that I'm after, the aftermath, I try, let the epitaph relapse, the bad habits, coping with congested patterns, develop patterns, new ideas, need a time to heal, time reveals, brain scatter, sound like brain batters, splattered doctor movies while I'm pajamas, guess the soul train smashing the canvas, while the chairman of the board looks past you, and no, I'm not your cattle, nor the head on your mantle, pin release and crack without titans for clashing, emperor's new clothes, not the same old fashion, took my passion to a world of scene, cold as an icebox, pickles of me more in a pine box, on that two-faced, yeah, Harvey Denton, in the same spot, Harley Denton, raising snakes on them bloodsuckers, nonsense since the beginning, yeah, nonsense since the beginning. Hey, huh. but we still winning like. We still winning like. We found relief in these pages. Wars wage on low wages. Seek the master's throne. I escape in these days and run away. And all I ask is that you never leave me alone. We found relief in these pages. Wars wage on low wages. Seek the master's throne. I escape in these days and run away. And all I ask is that you never leave me alone. No, no, no. Never leave me alone, no, no, never leave me alone, no, never leave me alone, no, never leave me alone. So that was Harvest Blake and Co. With their song Relief. I like this song, of course. That's why I brought it. It was quite refreshing for me. I'm not a hippity-hoppity fan in any sense of the word. I do like the Beastie Boys. They were one of my favourite bands back in the day. But that's that's as far as it goes. This this was this was refreshing. I love this. I love their utilisation of the jazz. Incorporating it in their music along with the rap. I thought it was refreshing and nice. Usually rap it comes with those overproduced beats they're just full of bass 
and full of synth and mm-hmm. and it, it, it just it's just too much and it just sounds too it's just it's too much computer going on this it was organic and his use of the rap flowed beautifully with it and it was just nice to hear it was completely different you know fusing rap with hip-hop jazz fusion but in a way that i i've never heard it before it was absolutely beautiful and so lesser known it's unbelievable what what did what did you think todd oh i liked it i liked the whole vibe and like you said it's it's not necessarily just the artificiality sometimes of some of these songs um this uh, the vibe itself was very um easygoing and very refreshing and the the person's voice didn't seem at all out of place with the music they seemed to feed off of each other you know in a very organic way so i think i agree with you i like the the vibe was very 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 um very laid back you know nothing was harsh about it no sharp angles you know yes i like that it was smooth and it didn't have a nasty message which usually comes with hip-hop you know n-words here and bitches there and but again that's a stereo you want to be careful about that too though because there's plenty that doesn't do that no i know but um generally we get a lot of submissions i mean a lot Mm -hmm. of submissions yeah and most of i would say 80 percent of the hip-hop we get (laughs) I have to throw away because of their use of language. And I think, I think we, we've said before, hip-hop has become a bastardised version of what it was intended to be in the beginning. You know, it was meant to be right. like a spoken word, you know, based around poetry. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's supposed to be kind of beautiful, you know, with a, right. with a deeper meaningful message. But there's that... And the thing is, <laughs> hip-hop, hip-hop, most music evolves i find or right. it breaks down and comes back better than it was before i feel like hip-hop but has devolved um, no because the because the industry gets a hold of it and then all they want are i was only talking to uh, violence and drugs yeah. the, the industry wants that because that will sell you know yeah but so. it's yeah yeah no it, it Rich, escaped Rich its a, message yeah. Rich it has got an absolute it's hatred for 80s synth and i keep telling him mm-hmm. to listen to early 80s synth because i think what he thinks about 80s synth is like 85 onwards when well actually the, when we'll the wait in- till the forgotten classic and we'll talk about that then. all right okay yeah okie dokie it's not 80s synth though no, it's not. Well, no, it's not. <laughs> was it 80s or 70s? 80s, no, it's not 87. It's Prince. Who, who do you mean? Who's 80s synth? Okay, we'll go. We'll talk about it. Prince. Later. Yeah, don't worry about it. Prince. We'll come back to that. We're talking about uh, yeah. <laughs> Harvest. Harvest. Blade. We digress. Harvest. Yes. Blade. Anyway, yes. Yeah, so, so you like the song? Oh, I. You guys are talking. Yeah, I liked it. You guys. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So Wayne. Uh yeah, this is fucking brilliant, isn't it? It really is. It really is something else. You know, it's it's mixing like Duke Ellington and Count Basie type vibes. Okay. With the hip hop mm-hmm. that I actually like, which is, you know, like mid eighties to mid nineties. That sort of where you can understand what they're saying. They're not mumbling. There's there's no aggressive message like you say. It's it's music. That's what it is. It's music. And this is just it's music. That, yeah. That, that, <laughs> That brilliant jazz that goes right the way through. You know, it's a Sunday afternoon vibe of that jazz mixed with that. It's brilliant. It, it, that's all I've got. For, that's all I've got. It's, it's coffee house jazz with some unoffensive hip hop yeah. overlaying the top of it. Mm. Neil, mm-hmm. right? I when I first when I first listened to this song, I thought I was going to struggle with it. <laughs> I, reason being is that I, you know, I like to think I'm quite broad-minded in the genres of music that I can listen to and appreciate. But there are a couple of genres that I really struggle with. I, I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of jazz. <laughs> I knew it was coming. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I, 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 I appreciate the musicality of jazz. I 
for me, he doesn't do anything for me. Another, another genre I'm not a big fan of is rap. Uh, and I kind of listened to this, and I actually thought Richard brought this song just to annoy me. But then as I listened to it, and I listened to it a few times, he kind of really grew on me. Uh-huh. And he strangely worked. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the only thing I can liken it to is uh, years ago, me and a group of friends used to get together for a breakfast on a Saturday morning. We always used to bring some items and cook them up. I think it was at a church, you know, just, just, just to cook some, you know, do a big fry up. And somebody always used to turn up with a tin of haggis. Fred! Fred turned up with oh, a yeah, tin of haggis? Oh yeah, Scotsman with a tin of haggis, yeah, yeah. And it was, it, was, it was absolutely vile, this haggis. And then one day we discovered that if you mixed it with a tin of tomato, put it in the microwave for a minute, tomatoes very bland on their own and the haggis was just vile. I actually but, remember that. But if you mix them together, it, it kind of, some weird chemical reaction took place and it, it turned spicy. I don't know where that came from, but this, this is kind of what happened with this song. I feel it's like the jazz Two and the hip hop. made a right. The jazz, the hip hop and the rap all became spicy and interesting and vibrant and wow. I enjoyed it. There you go. That's how so I on that. <laughs> two pieces of music that Neil hates, two in Neil's eyes, Two wrongs <laughs> made a right is what happened there. It is. Wow. Wow. Were you going to say something then, uh, Tom? Sorry. Tom, who's Tom? <laughs> no, uh, I was just listening. Yeah, sometimes you need all the independent parts that you don't like and somehow they make something. It's beautiful. Really is good. what it is. He's going to go microwave some haggis and tomatoes now. Oh, it's not a microwave. <laughs> well, but you can't even get haggis <laughs> over there in Hong Kong, can you? No. No, I, you probably could. You can get anything in Hong Kong. Can't even get sure. haggis sure. in England. There's, to be some, <laughs> there's some market you could find haggis. But oh wait, no, I don't think you can uh, import that, right? You, I don't think you can import anything like that from England, right? I, I wouldn't. Say I'm so. not sure. All sorts of, yeah. Mm. I don't know, but they probably make their right. own. Mm. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> Wayne Song, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yes. You've got one as well, haven't you? Yes. So I, I am bringing a band called Odysseys and their song Mirrors. Enjoy.
All right, so that was my song Mirrors by Odyssey from their album mm-hmm. Odd Behaviour from uh, this year. They currently have 95 monthly listens on Spotify. They are John Corbin, Paul Dirico, Mark Pangil... Pangil... Gillinath. Oh, I had God. some of that mm-hmm. tea Wow, that's a hell of a name, that is. And Christian uh, Trayon. Uh, they're from Boston, Massachusetts. This is one of the many. The, these guys sent their submission back in April, and it took me till now to get around bringing them to the show. I absolutely love these guys. I absolutely love their album. It is brilliant. It is shoegazy, and it is quite transcendent. Laid back, brilliance. Very puts me in the mind of Tame Impala and Metronomy. Those sort of bands. Really well mm-hmm. done. Really well worked. And I absolutely bloody loved it. It's it's recorded with this dreamlike brilliance. So much reverb. Love it, absolutely love it, love. It sounded like it was recorded in the tunnel. Well, so are you, Renrich. How do you feel about this song? I actually like this one. I, everything about it shouts that I shouldn't, which is why I think you keep bringing these fucking songs. But this one... We only bring songs to spot you, don't we, this, this one, I surprisingly liked. I, I think there was too much reverb. I think the, the vocals got lost in the mix some of the times because of that. On the whole, I did enjoy it, yeah. Todd, mm. what's, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I liked it. It did, it did remind me of... I guess Tame and Paula, but they're also borrowing from some of those, you know, late '80s sounds. Yeah. I yeah I I, I did I, I think it's it's God, who's it like I mean kind of like maybe <laughs> Julian Julian Cope or uh, I don't know if you guys even know these guys but there were um, there were a bunch of bands like that and and I guess part of the style is kind of washing out the the voice whereas the voice isn't front and center it's kind of part of this whole ambient feeling um, that you would put on the stereo in the background but. Yeah, I, I think it was. I think it was really well done. I think again, like putting the voice back in the mix is is is, is intentional. Yeah, I agree. Because it's kind of doing the same thing over and over, and it's kind of putting a trance on you. Kind of, you know, that's what. It, at least with that, it seems like a then, repetition. It? it stops being well, a voice, and then it just becomes a sound. That's the entire point. Well, what is the voice? Does the voice always the have voice to be is front and to center? Portray a message, isn't it? But if you can't well, hear then, the message because it's lost in the mix. What is the point in the voice? You, you, well you hear it in... subliminally. It infiltrates your soul. We've mentioned him at wow. some point tonight. Um, Ian Curtis from Joy Division. Oh, yes. It puts me in mind. Yeah, I was going to say Joy Division, exactly. Yeah. That's what I was thinking of, right. Yeah, that um, sort of sound. That sort of, you know, the shoegaze, where, where that sort of stuff is. You always get Joy Division from it, but darker. But, darker but Joy Division 2 is still, the, the voice is still kind of just this integral element of the music. It's not necessarily out front. You know, yeah. and that's kind of interesting. Yeah, but you know what they're singing. Yeah, but it's, it's joining the orchestra of the, the, the band. That's what it's doing. It's becoming mm-hmm. an instrument rather than a, fo- a focal point. I agree. I agree. Yeah, you're absolutely right. But with Joy Division, you still know what that what that instrument is saying. Not always. I think, no, uh, I, yeah, think, I think I, you I, do. Yeah, hang on a second. That's, I, I'm going to go with the fact of that Joy Division was probably the, one of the first bands to try that, to, to you mm-hmm. know, Push the push it back. There was a boundary pushing moment. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it was it was what it was meant to be, and it was probably down to producers and engineers who brought his sound up in the mix. He brought his voice up in the mix. You know, he wasn't he didn't want to be a full on front man. He was part of a band. That's what Ian Curtis was. So I think mm-hmm. in that oh we're going oh god we're, we're really philosophical tonight. Don't we? It's we're your not, fault, Todd. This yeah. is it's completely. Well, no, but, <laughs> but if if but if you listen to like early REM, 
Michael Stipe's voice is way back in, when they were yeah, a college band yeah, his voice is way back in the mix and then later they move it forward to make them an accessible arena band I still go back to listening to the earlier ones I where his voice is, his the voice is way back in the mix stuff like that. you know mm. it was f- yeah. right from from green on they pushed his voice way out yeah. maybe to make him more accessible you know they got signed to Warner Brothers but those early ones I, I think it's great his voice is way back there and it's really mysterious you know you're not really sure what's going to, to listen as well you have to pay more mm-hmm. attention to the song it's when Michael Stipe had hair right. isn't it then mm. yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think from when he had hair in his mouth a lot of the time that's what I'm full to say first time I ever the saw hair, Michael Stipe yeah. it's like you watch his face he, out to the I boy I saw them a few yeah. he Who had hair that? and big eye makeup you know big eyeliner <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who's the character? A from crush the with eyeliner. <laughs> Looking at me for eyeliner. The person on the Bible got his hair cut off and lost Samson. all his power. Samson. Yeah. Marcus Stipe lost his hair and lost it. Lost I completely missed my REM fun. Sorry? Yeah, sorry, carry on. You mentioned your REM. I said, mention your eyeliner. I said, was it a crush with eyeliner? That's completely gone over their head because they're not REM. I got it. I got it. I got it. I just didn't care. But by the time crush. But by the time Crush came out, the eyeliner was gone, though, because yeah, that was on the greenway. Uh, go on, then, Neil. What's your thoughts on this? Um, well, yeah, it's, yeah, very very Joy Division. I mean, I love Joy Division, and I, I was getting a lot of that from it, but but darker, I think. I always got... There was sort of a very sort of harsh, sort of soft metal sound going on. And I kind of thought it, it, it was almost as if the um, New Order decided to stop being New Order, become the Joy Division again, but employed Trent Reznor as a lead singer. That's a good... Oh, that's, wow. Yeah. Yeah. What wow. Was, what was the group Pete Burns was in? Talking Heads? No, no, no. Oh, Red or Dead? Red or Dead, yeah. This reminds you of Red or Dead? The, not the, not the, not music, the, the, the kind of... Um, no, I'm thinking of David vo- Burns, sorry, that's the, what I'm thinking of. Yeah, the, yeah, Red or... Is it Red or Dead? Red or Dead is Spin Me Round. You Spin yeah. Me Right Round. It reminds me of that, right, that, that, round, that, yeah. that group. Really? Yeah. Okay. No, I wasn't getting that. If you'd have said Talking Heads, I can see that. Yeah, when you listen to that song, though, you only think of Spin Me Right Round. They, they did a lot of other stuff. Yeah, because I only know that, to be honest. Yeah, you, so, so yeah, overall I liked it. Yes, well done, Neil. <laughs> good save. <laughs> good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, good save. Honestly, listen to some of their other stuff, and you'll understand what I'm, I'm saying. I'm not going to. They're a good group, <clears throat> and that's the kind of group that I usually hate. So, can we break up this argument in the studio for the moment, just just, just to bring um, just to bring the verdict? I've made myself bleed over this fucking song. I made myself bleed earlier because the poster bleed. fell off the wall, and I decided to try and nail it back into the wall with a big plank of wood. But I, I missed and hit my fingers. Oh it was quite gosh. comical, but I, I did bleed quite profusely. It's, <laughs> it's, it's stopping there. Anyway, so, uh, moving on to the all-important verdict. Who was your favourite... Out of the three submissions, what was your favourite song this, uh, this week, Todd? It's so hard because you guys give these completely different genres. We are non-genre specific. But... No, it's not... You know, we put it across like a competition. It's not a competition like, oh, this song's better than all the others. It's not. It's just your personal favourite, really. You he'll, he'll soon change his attitude if he wins. Yeah, absolutely. You can all go and fuck yourselves. From me, what I would say is if a song gives me kind of this something happens in my mind beyond the song, you know, this feeling, this kind of like alchemy that gets going, this kind of magic where I'm still thinking of the song afterwards, that song would be Relief by Harvest Black. You know, I, I, I just like the vibe stays with me after I listen to it. I can't argue with that. It is a fucking brilliant song. No, that is, makes it, perfect sense. Yeah. So, uh, uh, I, I, I agree. Well, so, so, so the, the scores, <laughs> even though it's not a competition, really. It's not a competition. Even though it's not. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, now standard, 6-5-3. Yeah. Put a mark on the board, Rich. 
Josh, yo. Congratulations, so, Richard. Well done, Neil, Richard. can you put a yes, mark on the board for me? Thank you, mate. Yes. Thank can you, you introduce the next round while I do that? Okay, so the next round is our... Jeez, that was a long round. So the next round is our... <laughs> it's because of me. What is your hidden masterpiece? Uh, just remind us, Todd. Well, Tomorrow Never Knows by the Beatles. It's the closing song on Revolver. And Revolver itself was somewhat different, you know, for the times. But then it ends on it ends on Tomorrow Never Knows, which is just comes from another world, which was actually the first song they made for that album. But they ended up putting it at the end. It's all in one chord. It's all in E. And it's got, you know, these tape loops. It's a John Lennon song, but Paul McCartney's introducing all these tape loops and these crazy things going on. And it's all kind of written around the Tibetan Book of the Dead um, after uh, John Lennon was introduced like by works by Timothy Leary. And so it's quite interesting. This was their second half of their um, Beatles phase, if you like, because they had two parts, didn't they, really? They had the, when they went to, was it India, you said earlier, Neil? Yeah. They went to India, and then they came back mm-hmm. like a completely different band. I think this, right. this was their second part, wasn't it? And you can you yeah, can. You can almost hear the, those Indian influences within the song as well. Right, there's a sitar going on. It's it's the introduction into that whole different world. Supposedly in, in Haight-Asbury in San Francisco, people would just be spinning that song, you know, over and over in the records and stores because people just hadn't heard that before. It was also kind of a Beatles nod to the 60s and the psychedelia, you know, like people grew up with the Beatles and suddenly you come to that song. And the, the, the lyrics, I think, are just incredible. I mean, it's um, the, listen to the color of your dreams. It is not leaving. And uh, you may see the meaning of within it is being. And then or it says, so play the game existence to the end of the beginning of the beginning. So it's the end of the beginning. It's a circle. And uh, I'm not sure if John Lennon, I guess he did know what he was ri- but writing about. But I, I think it's just absolutely uh, incredible song. To be, to be prepared, John Lennon was a genius. This is the, a good example of the kind of song that split Beatles fans, I think. Because you had, obviously, mm-hmm. the earlier fans who would love the Beatles for their I want to hold your hand, and that kind right. of thing. And then, then suddenly you've got this, and it's right. like, what the f- I definitely prefer the cycle. I love both. I love both, but I definitely prefer the cycle. I was 10 years old and I discovered my Beatles, uh, my dad's Beatles albums, and he didn't even tell me about them. I just liked them because of the covers. And I remember playing this song, basically destroying his record on my Fisher Price, (laughs) my blue little plastic (laughs) thing. And I just listened to this song over and over and over, and I was a 10 year old kid. Well, you say that about the Beatles. My, My first introduction to the Beatles was also exactly the same as you, yourself through uh, my dad's albums but mm-hmm. I can't say it was because of the covers because the only album he had was the White Album <laughs> well <laughs> <laughs> I know but then maybe you projected what you wanted onto that White maybe, surface maybe but I remember listening to the White Album because we did that, we had two decks in the house and yeah. it was even as a young I think I was probably about around about the same age as yourself it, it was quite mm-hmm. eye opening mm-hmm yeah, yeah really because again it's like i said earlier kind of create those songs kind of create this imagination that goes on after you listen to the song you know and they they keep at least they keep carrying on in my mind you know yes and yeah. you know what it's like when i first heard it and i was living living with you neil at the time when i first heard number nine uh, number nine revolution number, number nine, nine. Number nine. <laughs> no, when you first yes. hear it you think what the you know, it's just absolutely ridiculousness. But the more you you listen to it, 
the more it starts to get into your soul and start to speak to you. Right. Yeah, you know, and I think it's it's one of those songs that I don't, I, the Beatles that they, they were so became so deep and they started to speak to people on an individual level. It's like some mm-hmm. of their songs will speak to me different to how they might speak to you or Neil. Funny right. story about Revolution Number no. Nine. I had a work colleague who was a massive Beatles fan. He's in a Beatles tribute band actually. He played keyboards. Called and, Oasis. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Called. Um, <laughs> Yeah, he, he, he played uh, bass and keyboards. He brought this little Casio keyboard into work. I think we did this fundraising day or something. So his contribution was he turned up with his keyboard and he said he would perform any Beatles song anybody picked, pick any, any song you wanted. And if for any reason he couldn't... Uh, basically, you had to donate a pound to this charity if you uh, if you picked a song for him. If, however, he couldn't mm-hmm. play the song, he would donate £10 to the charity. So straight away, I hit him with Revolution. Yeah, that's a good one, yeah. <laughs> And he just looked at me and right, right, that's the first ten pounds in the kit. (laughs) Yeah, Harry, Harry, he he should have at least tried to play it. He didn't even attempt it. How would you try to play that on the Casio? How could you play that on the Casio keyboard? Number nine. Yeah, I know that that would be difficult. Yeah. Wayne, you sat, you sat there on you. you, What you looking up information? No, I was just trying to ascertain if this is a hidden masterpiece or not. Yeah, it is. I Um, think it is. We we, we get ahead of ourselves. Yeah. Sorry, carry on, Wayne. What do you think? Yeah, it's an overlooked masterpiece, this, isn't it? Now, I've got this feeling, Watch, I love watching music documentaries, and I'm sure that I watched a music documentary about, uh, what's the name of the Beatles producer? George Martin. George, like George Martin, Martin. Martin, yeah. Um, talking mm-hmm. about how they came across songs and how it worked out and all the rest of it. And I'm pretty sure, I'm saying it now, I'm not sure, but I'm, it was a song, I'm sure it's this song or something like it, and it's like they were all going out for the weekend, the Beatles were going home from Abbey Road, and George Martin was saying, well, how do you want this to sound, you know? And, he, mm-hmm. and George Harrison turned around and said... George Martin? George, yeah, George Martin is the producer. Didn't and George Harrison's the guitar player, singer. Yeah, George Harrison's. Sorry, yeah. Yeah, George, there are two oh, George. Yeah. <laughs> there are different <laughs> George Martins. Yeah. Sorry. So George Harrison said, George Martin said to George Harrison, "How do you want this to sound?" And he said, "I want it to sound like a alpaca screaming off the top of a Tibetan mountain." <laughs> And that's how they came about the same. But I'm not sure if it's this song or a different one, but it's, yeah, that, it makes sense to me that it would be this song. I've just been reading that. It must that, have been uh, so high when you thought yeah. of that. Like, what's your song to sound like? Um, an alpaca. Yeah, I've just, I've oh, just read... What? I've just read that George, uh, that John Lennon also said that he wanted the song to have a Tibetan, a Tibetan Buddhist ceremony vibe. You know, the, the chakra. Right. You know, constant. That's that's where Yoko, Yoko Ono started to come in and ruin the band. <laughs> You're breaking up the band. I don't think You're she breaking was, up the band, she was, Yoko. She wasn't in at this point, though. This is just the beginning. And this like is, I said earlier, it's, it's yeah. one chord. It's E the whole time. It's amazing. It's just one this chord. This is uh, two years before they went to the Maharashtra's um, mm-hmm. retreat in India. This is so they went in 1968. So this is two years before that. So you can see this all. So this was still in. the first half of their. Um... Yeah, this is the first. This is wow. The, this, this is, is probably after... the point where it changed. This yeah, is this after is yeah. right. Exactly. Yeah. This is the turning point. Oh, and yeah. like I said, this is quite a crucial song. Then really, like I said, also I watched a documentary in the 60s. They were. This is where the Beatles officially said it's on to the 60s. Everybody was waiting. Everybody grew up with the Beatles, and suddenly they heard this, and the 60s just you know yeah. 
erupted. Uh, yeah. Exploded. Yeah. yeah. You know. I was uh, I was just amazed to see because I, I don't know why because I think I put Yellow Submarine on an album that is Yellow Submarine. I didn't realize Yellow Submarine is on the Revolver album. Wasn't it on? Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Along it? with Eleanor Rigby. I thought it was on Help. Not that Help. Um, oh, oh. Pepper for some reason. No, it's not. It's on this yeah. one. I, I, yeah. I, on. Oh, I know something else about this song. I looked up. Um, I because I, I was looking up. I was doing some research on the song before I did. But uh, I can hear you typing. You're doing it now. <laughs> I'm not typing. No, that's I've someone else. I've heard you typing. That's someone else's keys. I am not typing at all. It's all coming from my head. Um, it, it, so it, it, I guess it was called The Void. John Lennon wanted to call it The Void, but that's too negative for all the fans. So it, many times they would borrow things that Ringo said. He said, it's a hard day's night. And so they turned that into a, you know, into a song. And Ringo said, tomorrow never knows. So John Lennon just coined that from Ringo. It's good so to know that he Ringo, contributed something to the positive to the band. Yeah, <laughs> he, did, he did at least one he gets song underrated. in every album, didn't he? he gets, Ringo was great. And, and Thomas he was, the Tank Engine was amazing. <laughs> what, did he well, do Thomas the Tank Engine? He did. Uh, he was the voice, yeah. yeah I didn't know that. Oh, my was, God. Was uh, Thomas is pulling into the station. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't a bad impression. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, the first, uh, when Thomas the Tank Engine first appeared on uh, British television, it was Ringo Starr. Ringo Starr, yeah. First two seasons. I did not know that. He's absolutely fucking brilliant it is it's worth I mean, watching just for Ringo had an ordeal really didn't he he was, he was quite overlooked it's didn't... funny because have anybody watched the Ron Howard documentary no uh, the Beatles I've never seen I know the documentary you mean I it? think it's called Hard Days no Hard... I might be wrong no um, mm-hmm. Eight Days a Week Eight yeah, Days yeah, a Week yeah, yeah. yeah. on mm-hmm. that there's a moment where they start talking about the band and how it all come together because this is the early stage of the Beatles before you get to the psychedelia and, and India and all that and right. they spoke to Paul McCartney about Ringo Starr and then replacing it's Pete Best wasn't it Pete Best yeah yeah mm-hmm. replacing Pete Best with Ringo Starr and he said when he saw Ringo Starr he just got it he he, he got right. something he got that you know as you know this this is what I, this, well, do you know what? I just want to quash something now to all the people listening whoever who have ever said that Ringo Starr is not a good drummer and I know the Beatles you know the Beatles as a whole like John Lennon uh, I think it was a, an interview with John Lennon that said you know is, is Ringo Starr the best drummer in the world and he, he jokingly said he's not the best drummer in the band but Ringo Starr was the drummer in the Beatles because he was better than the original drummer and the reason he comes across simplistic is because the songs that they did didn't need anything right. fancy and he did exactly what was needed for each and every song and that's why each and every song became as popular and as famous as what they are because right. everybody did in that band exactly what they needed to do Ringo Starr was perfect for that band and he was a fantastic drummer and he, oh, he, he yeah. he's even still good now and I have to say on this, the, this particular track, he'd outdone himself because it's the, the, well, the drumming on some on this is, is amazing in yeah, places. Yeah. It's it's, it's droning sounding. Yeah, it's 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 and, and it's also what's interesting, like point. they're they're throwing Lennon's voice in the back. They're doing some cave thing with those droning drums, but you can still hear Lennon's voice the whole time. Hear everything he's singing, and then and then it's kind of weaving in and out of with those beats that Ringo's doing. I listened to this song on the way to work this morning, and he, he's, <laughs> that's you know, a nice. I, song. I, I, I've been in a pretty <laughs> weird place. Uh, in my head recently, and I, I just been, oh, I'm, um, you know, kind of been. You're always in a weird. Oh, I'm always place. in a weird place in my head, but I've been in an even weirder place lately, and 
mm-hmm. you know, it's just like, and um, my... Um, I have a seven-month-old son who decided to wake up at three in the morning last night and kept us awake for an hour. Um, oh, my. Well, I, I kind of dozed off to sleep. He kept Rachel awake for an hour. So I kind of woke up sort of, probably much how you're feeling now, Todd, kind of, not, not really, <laughs> not, not really quite ready to face the day. Right. And I kind of got all this stuff going on. I stuck this on. The first words I heard were, turn off your mind, relax and float down the stream. And I was like, yes, I think I might. Straight into yes. a tree. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was right. in the car when this came. Yeah, I, was, I was walking to work. I was, I was, um, I was, I was on foot. So yeah, I, yeah. still woke up in the lake though. <laughs> I, I, did, I did walk into a lamppost. But yeah, that's yeah. I did. Yeah, I like that. That kind of it connected with me in that moment. And uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I love the Beatles. I, I, I love their psychedelic era. See, the, yeah. Mm-hmm. This is another thing about the Beatles. People don't realise how people only know the the popular early stuff like you know all mm-hmm. the strawberry fields and people don't realise how deep and how that they're a rabbit hole. The Beatles are a rabbit hole. But I, I, I particularly love all the um, all the psychedelic stuff. This to me made I am the Warrus look normal. <laughs> I, I loved it. Mm-hmm. I, so it, it made me crave some LSD, but I, 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 I loved it. Hundred percent hidden masterpiece from me. Yeah, I think so. I, I I love the Beatles. Obviously not as much as Todd does, but I love the Beatles. And this one, <laughs> this one's escaped me, and I do like it. I yeah, think... yeah I, sh- I, sh- I should add that. I'd never heard of the song before. Did you guys ever watch uh, Mad Men? Did you ever watch that show, Mad Men? No. no. It's, on my, episode. it's on my list of things to watch, but I haven't got around. Well, he's, they're just trying to introduce the main guy to the Beatles, you know, and he doesn't get it at all. And it's a crazy. The, the episode ends. They play this song, and I was like, wow. It should probably a bad, be a bad place to start if you want to introduce one to the Beatles, to be honest. Right, but then it's a new, it's a point of departure too for some, right? So I suppose yeah. I um, I played it to Rachel when I got home, and I said, "What do you think of this? Is it a masterpiece?" And she kind of went, oh, "I've heard this before." And I said, "Yeah, but your parents are like the biggest Beatles fans in the world. Of course, yeah. you've heard it before. You've heard every Beatles song." I think it's a hidden masterpiece. I, I think it's a hidden masterpiece. Wait, oh, it's, well, it's a relevant one. I'll think but it is a hidden masterpiece yeah. because this is overlooked mainly probably because their other stuff always reaches the top 100 and all that crap and this is one mm-hmm. of the most overlooked this is a turning point it's a moment yeah this is a, a moment d- in history yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so like you say Todd this is the first track this is the first track they recorded they knew what they were doing they they knew how they changed their sound they knew where they were going I've got to ask and they you put that, it Todd. the last song yes yeah, yeah the last song on the album but mm-hmm. the thing is they didn't they didn't it's not like uh, what, what we'll do is we'll, we'll We'll bring them into it slowly and we'll work our way into it. It's not, it's like, no, this is our sound now. This is just straight into it. So fucking hell. I've got to ask this you, though, Todd, before yes, we move yes. on from the Beatles, uh, as a Beatles mm-hmm. fan, do you, do you think Paul McCartney's still alive? <laughs> Oh gosh! Or is it William uh, Shepherd? That was later on Magic Mystery Tour, Magical Mystery Tour, right? Was that uh, when no, they took Paul was that, dead? No, the uh, what's it called? Abbey Road, was it? No, no, it wasn't Abbey no, Road. No, he appeared in Abbey Road. Abbey Road's got quite a few Lonely clues Hearts, in the album title. Lonely moment. Hearts Club yeah. uh, band had, had references to it as well. Oh, Jesus. Okay. No, he's, he's perfectly fine and alive. I think he's dead. <laughs> 
No, but listen, listen. The, the two things, Ringo never gets credit for his drumming. He created the backbeat. And then Paul McCartney, really, he never gets credit for... He was introducing them many times, all this avant-garde stuff and the tape yeah. loops. And he never gets credit for that. You know, it's always John Lennon and George Harrison were the visionaries. But he, he was always going to these galleries and turning people on. I'm just trying to give Paul McCartney a little more credit. It wasn't just no, yesterday. Paul McCartney is yeah. a musical... He, you know, I've, I've, I've watched him do some solo stuff. I don't, I don't think he got enough so credit was for Billy the... I don't think he got enough credit for what he did yeah. with the Wings, to be honest, because the the mm-hmm. Wings was a fantastic band as well. Yeah. Did you? Uh, I mean, obviously, the references. They, they were an arena band. Yeah, they were classic. Yeah. You've only got to listen to the first twenty seconds of this song, and just you can hear Noel Gallagher's solo stuff all over this, particularly mm-hmm. the more recent stuff, and then, the, and more, then, the more recent album. For yeah. God's sake, the song the song title "Tomorrow Never Knows." It's in an Oasis song. <laughs> Anybody tell me which one? Yeah. Is it Tomorrow Never Knows? It's What's the Story Morning Glory. Is it? Yeah. Tomorrow Never Knows What He Doesn't Know. Oh, oh yes, of course. Oh, yeah. So, it's, you know. It's in What's the Story Morning Glory. Yeah. It is, yeah. He, he says that Tomorrow Never Knows What to do. Tomorrow well, Never know Knows What to do. Yeah. I've just sang it and just forgot it. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Just before wow. yeah, it's the bridge before the, you get to the chorus. The thing is, everybody slags them all. I'm just another Beatles. But the thing is, that they would admit themselves. The mm. Beatles were a massive influence to who they mm. are. The, the biggest influence to who they are. Have anybody mm. seen Yesterday yet? The film Yesterday? No. no. About the no. Beatles. Being, no, I, I want to hear that after. Yeah, so this guy <clears throat> has a car accident, has a massive world power outage, and when he wakes up, the Beatles don't exist. So he coins their songs. Oh, I heard and about starts. that. Yeah. yeah, it's really good. It's a really fun film. Mm-hmm. Don't go in there expecting a masterpiece. Going and just enjoy the the fun of it, yeah. Cracking film. So yeah, with three votes, All the right. Beatles. Tomorrow never knows is a hidden masterpiece. Yes. So right. it is now wow. time for, uh, for yeah. rock classic wow. round. <laughs> that was a long time. You got to edit some of that out. <sighs> Honest to God, these sections are the longest we've ever done. Uh, <laughs> you got it. It's because of me. I'm sorry, but you got to edit. As long as you're enjoying um, yourself, that's the main thing. Have you got any plans yeah, uh, for today, Todd? <laughs> Put them on hold. No, it's still. I'm a teacher. It's still summer for me. Ah, uh, fair right. It's okay. Yeah, I have to go into town and. We move on to the forgotten uh, classic round. Oh, forgotten classic. Go for it. So, uh, forgotten classic this week. Uh, what are you bringing for us, Todd? Uh, well, I'm <laughs> I'm doing a Prince. I'm doing a Sign of the Times. Um, is that the one that goes, Sign of the Times is all mine, all mine. Sign of the Times is all mine. If it was Fog on the Time, yeah. no. Um. It was that. Boop, 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 boop. It has that kind of 80s... Oh, yeah, the electric um, one. Yeah, <laughs> opening, and then it, it... I just... I think it's interesting as the lyrics are like, in France, a skinny man died of a big disease with a little name. Ooh, AIDS, you know. And then uh-huh. by chance, his girlfriend came across a needle and did the same. They're very kind of dated lyrics. It talks about being in a gang called the Disciples. You know, I don't know. The Disciples just reminds me of the 80s or something like Warriors or something like. <laughs> yeah, you know, the Warriors. The Disciples. You they know, like all these sound different. Like somebody would turn up in a Van Damme film. Warriors. <laughs> yeah, God, I knew Come out that. to I play. That. Yeah, so just. I don't know that. And and so the song. And then it's like Hurricane Annie. I don't remember that, but you know, it's one of the hurricanes ripped people up. Then. It, 
what did I like? But my favorite was Sister. Ki- oh no, that's terrible. That's sad. Though Sister killed her baby. Um, <laughs> sending- <laughs> no, uh, yeah. In oh. in September, my cousin tried reefer for the very first oh, time. Yeah. Now he's doing horse. It's June. So what? It, it, horse is heroin. Thought. Oh, it, it's June. You know. It's like- but now, now if now if it now it would be like you know my friend tried heroin you know <laughs> for the very first time and now it's fentanyl or you know it's just the time seems so much um, more tame back then. Probably be yeah. Monday. Although they weren't in England. Or, and it, uh, and it's saying like a rocket ship explodes and everybody still wants to fly. You know, some say a man uh, ain't happy. Uh, is that the Columbus? In, no, that'd be before that, wouldn't it? That was the uh, space shuttle. Yeah, you know? that'd be no so that, wouldn't it? Yeah, so the whole song really is specific to a certain era. It's not really one you could play now. I can understand how that would be a forgotten classic then. That's what it's been lost in the past because it was done for that time. A specific time. A specific yeah, time. specific pop culture references. Yeah, yeah. well, that uh, maybe I didn't, but that's, that's how I would understand it as a forgotten it was you know not really relevant relevant now but at the time it really seemed to capture something it seems to me that you now, looked further into this forgotten classic further uh, more deep than what we have <laughs> We just know. looked. At, we just looked at it as a song that was really good back then. You don't hear very often now, but that was quite no, fucking deep. <laughs> I don't know if you guys ever even heard it over in England. I don't. You know, there are a lot of Prince songs that didn't well, make it over I mean, there. I'm not a huge Prince. Well, I, I know Purple Rain. That's about it by Prince. Right. And, um, you know, I kind of. I'm not familiar with Prince at all. And so when I when I first saw it, I thought, well, I don't remember that. But then I was right. at the time. Well, so, there are a lot of songs that didn't make it over. Like talking, certain Talking Heads didn't make it over there. You know, um, this was just the first song. Yeah. No, but certain songs from the Talking yeah. Heads, yeah. like the final album, I thought was incredible. It didn't really have any hits, like nothing but flowers and all these songs. This song, um, it, it was a double disc called Sign of Our Times, and, and every song was completely different than the other one. And I just thought it was, you know, amazing. But And it was also, uh, I think, one of Prince's most... Uh, well-received albums, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It was after Paisley Park. It was after... I mean, again, like, people are either into Prince or not, you know? But I saw Chris Rock on an interview, and he was talking about there was a time where he was just cranking out incredible album after incredible album after incredible album, and then it kind of dipped, you know, when it went into the Squiggle. 90s. <laughs> when he yeah. changed his name. And he started copying... Yeah, when, no, really, that's when he changed his name, yeah, it started to kind of... You know, so, I stopped listening to him. Little fun fact. Eric Clapton was once interviewed and asked, what's it like being the best guitarist in the world? And Eric Clapton mm-hmm. replied to the interviewer, don't know, go and ask Prince. That's interesting he's, because... He's done that a lot though, Clapton. But, yes, but have, have you seen? Have you guys seen the Grammys when they play While My Guitar Gently Weeps as a yes. tribute yeah, to George? Yeah, yeah. And because that is originally Eric Clapton playing the solo on the White Album and they gave it to Prince Prince and is that the one where he, he chucks his guitar at the end? Just, he, uh, I think so, but he falls back into the audience. He yes. just rocks that song out so, so good. And and so he's actually doing an Eric Clapton, what Eric Clapton originally did, and just taking it to a, a completely different level. You know? Yeah, that was and it's one a of surprise. my favorite guitar solos ever. That was yeah, watching him do that. Remember, it's a surprise. No one kind of expected it, and suddenly Prince shows up there and just, and ro- it's like four times as long, the solo, and just rocks it out. You know? Yeah, it's- I mean, 
you mean? Such Wayne a good, yeah, such a good there. moment in music that is. Me and Wayne were coming yeah, really. music festival a couple of weeks ago. Where you mm. stopped. Uh, they kind of had, you know, kind of uh, original artists in the day, and then they finished off with tribute acts and uh, covers bands on the night. And they, uh, the one night they had an eighties tribute band on who finished mm-hmm. with a cover of Purple Rain. And I just looked at Wayne and I goes. The test is going to be whether he can nail the guitar solo. And he, he absolutely nailed it, didn't he, Wayne? He was fucking... Oh, that's was, great. And the point, everybody was drunk by then. He didn't need to. He didn't need to put that much effort in, but he, he did. <laughs> he went He went full, like, wow. fucking three and a half minutes yeah. of it. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. He, was, he was phenomenal. It was really good. And but, I think Prince is overlooked in that aspect as well. People don't realise how good a musician he was. They just see him as this, like, pop artist from the 80s. But he was... Right. A, a, he's a, an actual phenomenal musician and he produced pretty much most of his stuff himself obviously he worked right. with people but and he, he did right most many of times it he did all the right he did all the instruments many times on his songs incredible um, musician yeah but again yeah you either like him or you don't he's very kind of but binary you still got to appreciate what he did for music mhm it's if just you don't like it. it's just after you died and you go back to listen to a lot of that stuff some of the synth stuff is really too dated you know yes like it doesn't hold well some of it like other stuff from the Beatles or stuff holds well but then you get to some albums and do he just has a lot of stuff that doesn't completely um, translate to now or maybe oh, you, you know like heavy drum machine stuff and heavy but still he's still incredible but it's just but I think you know, even 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 though we look back at it now and think Jesus that, that that's dated it was brand new technology then it was first generation mm-hmm. I think he was trying to you know, think ahead. think something. think ahead. He was trying to pioneer. He was trying to innovate, if you like. And mm-hmm. I think maybe he did. You know, he influenced. He definitely influenced a lot of the music we have today. That you know doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily sound dated like that. But he pioneered. He moved it forward. He started something new, like the Beatles. Yeah. And he was just—he was just a kind of his own person, and he didn't care. You know, he just did whatever. He was kind of an extension of that David Bowie persona. He just did whatever. Yeah. And it's like, like I said earlier, that 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 solo that that we were talking about. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite parts. It's just just at the end, everybody else is stood there, and he just grabs that guitar and just throws it over. It's just like nonplussed, doesn't give a fuck. Just throws the guitar and fucks (laughs) off. Yeah. It's brilliant. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But anyway, maybe I read too much into the uh, forgotten. But I think it, I, I think it's interesting how it uh, not music doesn't always isn't always universal through the times. It can be stuck to some certain time, but then you know it it can still be good in its own right. It's quite interesting. So I was listening to this again on my way to work this morning, um, along with, <laughs> and, and I kind of like so I've been in this weird, sort of weird headspace, and right. I kind of like I listened to the Beatles song, and it was always it's very much like oh. You know, empty your mind, enjoy you know, enjoy life, peace, tranquility. And then I get to this, and it's like the whole world's gone to shit. I know. <laughs> and it kind, know. Of, it kind of jolted me out of that. You're not going to be happy unless you truly die, yes. Yeah. It's kind of like going from the sauna into the ice-cold yeah, water. It was exactly like that. I think you should have done the ice-cold water first, maybe, and then, you know, and the I, sauna. When I stuck it on, I kind of thought, I said I'm not familiar with Prince, but I thought, I've heard this before, I recognise. Is it? And then, yeah. then it occurred to me, I haven't heard it before. I, uh, I've i just wow. heard the, the latest script album. Uh, <laughs> wow. And, and th- th- they, they have, 
the latest script album, they have so tried and failed to capture that sound. Yeah. <laughs> it was this, just effortless for him, like. though. Yeah, this is what he should say. This is like. just another song he just cranked out, probably, you know, in a day or something, but it was just effortless for him for a while. You know, he could just, you know. For me, anything by Prince that is overlooked <laughs> is a hidden masterpiece. Anything. And really? th- for, for me, this has been over- overlooked. That's all, because it's a forgotten it's not, classic. Well, <laughs> yes. He could have applied to either round. <laughs> so, unfortunately... <laughs> <laughs> Actually, look at that now that you mentioned that it changes every. I, I, I don't remember the song, so I can't. I, I never remembered it to forget it. It would have been but a brilliant hidden. It would have been a fantastic hidden masterpiece. You were seven at the time. Mm, but I don't think a lot of people would remember this I in can, this country. I can swing it. For I, I was like 17, so it was really just driving around in my old uh, Volkswagen Rabbit, you know, with rusted out bottom and, you know, these cassette tapes. And I just listened to that over and over. That was incredible. What were you going to say, Wayne? Uh, I can swing it for you. So the album, Sign of the Times, got to number four in Britain and number one in America. Oh, did it? Yeah. And wow. the song, Sign of the Times, got to number three in America and number four in Britain. Sorry, number ten. Really? Yeah. So it made it wow. to the charts then? It, I mean, it, well, it made it, it. It thrived in the charts, you know. Yeah. 1987, it, it, to get it, to number ten it, is a massive achievement. It, it wasn't a winner. It didn't make it all the way. Based but... on the facts then, <laughs> rather than my own knowledge, I'd have to say, yeah, it's a hidden master. Uh, it's a forgotten, forgotten classic. classic. Sorry. It is a forgotten I didn't realize it went that far. I mean, it was that's okay, interesting. Yeah, I'm 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 in agreement. It's a forgotten classic. One hundred percent FC for me. FC. It was. Right? It, 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 this song. This song also came out before the album. I remembered it was the big teaser for the album. It came out like a month or so before, and you were like. Oh my gosh, what's it going to be like? You know, it was a good. I've just the rest out of the album's nothing like here, it. But... I've just figured out what you're doing. So yeah, the, I'm segueing the, it into the next. No, no, what, what you're doing is we've made you get up early. <laughs> so you're, you, we've made you get up really early in the morning. So you're going to make sure that we go to bed really late. That's what's I know, I'm here. sorry, God. <laughs> no, no, it's brilliant. It's perfect. It's well, brilliant. well, speaking of a song coming out before an album, my song. And then... <laughs> <laughs> Wait, for the, wait you, you've got a, you've got your own section in a minute. <laughs> I know, I'm just saying in a minute. It might be in about an hour. Let, let's just I was skip te- the intense musical challenge. It's not very good anyway. <laughs> no, I was te- I was teasing. I was treasing, teasing the transition. Thanks, there you go. <laughs> Excellent. So, uh, Sign of the Times by Prince is a forgotten yes, absolutely. 100%. Well done, Todd. So, <laughs> can wow, we move on to my favourite round now? Yes. Intense hardcore genre musical challenge mode go! So, this is the section of the show where the week previous, I'd like to say week, or it was a couple of weeks previous, the previous guest would have challenged us to a genre an unknown genre a lesser known genre of music Mm -hmm. and then we have to go out and select a piece of music from that genre that we can say we like so neil's gone out and he's been challenged to find some bluegrass punk and he's come back with something that's not that so (laughs) neil explain yourself in my my defense i did did struggle 
uh, a lot with this. I mean, I, I looked at the, the closest... I'm not even convinced bluegrass punk even exists. <laughs> <laughs> the closest I could find were, were, were bluegrass bands doing covers of things like The Kids Aren't Alright. And it, it, it just... Yeah, um, I, 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 I couldn't really find anything I liked. I settled on this, which is more bluegrass metal, really, but I think there are punkish elements in it. Because it's so aggressive, I think the bluegrass has been... Oh, yeah, the song... Uh, Freak Flag by Granny for Barrel. Yeah, and it yeah, so it, it, there's punk elements in it. There is a bluegrass vibe underneath, but I think it gets hidden by the punk. There are there are violins and there are sort of bluegrass refrains under there somewhere. But yeah, I just I came across the band by accident. I just fell in love with them because it's it's a sort of folk metal band fronted by a bloke who dresses up as an old lady. It kind of put me in mind of the uh, the one of my favourite Monty Python sketches where uh, the Hell's Grannies. Where uh, the town gets terrorised by old ladies who go mad on pension day and steal balls of wool and things like that. <laughs> it's absolutely brilliant. Mm-hmm. YouTube Monty Python health grad. But yeah, it uh, it put me in mind of that. And he was you know, clearly don't take himself too seriously. But it, it was a bit mm-hmm. of fun. So uh, who wants to tear it to pieces first? Okay. Um, <laughs> say there's elements of bluegrass in there because there's violin I think that's like saying there's, there's elements of bluegrass in Vivaldi's work because he's got violin lots of violin I don't think the violin in it sounds bluegrass at all I just think it's a bit of violin punk I suppose there's punk element to it uh, I, th- I think it's more punk than bluegrass I can't knock you because like you say uh, uh, it's not it's not an easy because I, I decided to have a look last week for some because the discussion we had it's yeah it's a difficult genre to mm-hmm. to do anything with i think you just need to find some bluegrass angry angry bluegrass singers that are pissed off of the establishment and there are a few of them out there but it just comes across as normal bluegrass i, I don't know it's, it's a good it's, it's an okay song because it's nothing new nothing special nothing stands out as fantastic it's just what it is it's, it's yeah fun it's a bit of fun, but it's it's not the genre that now Wayne. <laughs> um, yeah. What even is this? <laughs> <laughs> Granny for barrel. Uh, so I had a look at their them. They have fifty thousand. Uh, 57,000 monthly listens they got 24,000 streams of this song wow. they say they are a heavy band with a steampunk horror vibe uh, I look for other bands who come under the bluegrass punk and that's inverted commas and all I could find is a band called Greenland is Melting and Crazy Mountain Billies that's pretty much I really struggled with it and it's exactly what you think it is it's bluegrass mixed with punk not very good for me hmm right. Todd um, yeah I didn't I didn't feel it was really bluegrass punk, I, I, but I'm from Kansas, so I've been exposed to a lot of bluegrass punk. So you, so you've come across bluegrass punk. Yeah, bluegrass. The thing punk. we're struggling to find, you, you've encountered it. Well, like I might, like I grew up with kids who played punk and jazz and all that stuff, and then suddenly in the 2000s, the well, no, even late 90s, that the acoustic music comes back, and then these people take their music and they, you know, they got a banjo, a mandolin, maybe some some big tank, some gas tank thing you're hitting, and they've got that energy of punk, 
you know, but it's on acoustic music. When you said big I, tank, I, then, I thought you meant like a military well, vehicle. <laughs> no, no, but there's like well, these guys from my old, and I was looking, they're still around Split Lip Rayfield. They're just absolutely incredible, and they'll play really fast, you know, and then they'll slow down, and they've been going since 1995, and they'll go quickly and fast. They're extremely uh, technical, but they've still got that kind of attitude, like they, they carry the punk ethos to the acoustic out music. And this, this wasn't as acoustic, this song. But yeah, I should try to contact them. You guys should. Split Live Rayfield is absolutely incredible. They're, they're, yeah, they're really do, good. you should definitely send along uh, some of their work so we can actually find out what bluegrass punk actually sounds like. No, it's, cool. it's called. And again, they've been around since 1995, and they're they're always touring. It's like it's mandolin, banjo, and that the percussion thing, whatever it is, and it's just absolutely. Uh, dynamic you know really fast really slow the the banjo guy went to i went to high school with him and he was a big jazz guitarist back then you know eric martis so yeah i'll try to i'll try to i'll try to pass them and i I looked them up yeah they have a lot of they're still around amazing Mm -hmm. but i don't think this song fits into um um, or 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 sometimes they call it cow punk they call it cow punk too you know like that's another word for it all right (laughs) Yeah. So um, yeah, Neil. Um, unfortunately, mate. Um, yeah, uh, it's not <laughs> one of them. Such you, is life. You, you did the best. You did the best you could. So we're going to move on then. Neil, take it away. So the final round of the show is our artist spotlight. Artist spotlight. Mm-hmm. Artist spotlight. Artist spotlight. So uh, that was, yeah, um, that was a hidden masterpiece. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Todd. So uh, yes, uh, so our guest, um, our guest on this week's show, um, Todd Warnermore. Mm-hmm. Is that how you referred to? Is that your stage name, Todd Warnermore, just Todd Moore? Well, just Todd Moore is just too plain, you know. And Warner is my middle name. So Makes when sense. I started writing back in the writing days, when I was trying to become a writer, I was Todd Warnermore, and I just I just kept it through all my bands. But then like people will review me and say Todd Warner does it. it's not Todd Warner, it's Todd, you know. <laughs> and uh, and it's but it's just Todd Moore just sounds too Todd Moore. You know, just just very, you know, two syllables. Todd Moore. You know, sounds like a, a Todd Italian. Warner Moore kind of. And and then when you're over and I, I lived in Budapest for six years and here they'd always go, oh, like Warner Brothers. You know, <laughs> and once you put like that, like a big movie studio in their their you know minds, your 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 name is bigger. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> you guys had a delayed laugh there. That wasn't that good of a joke. All right. <laughs> you followed it up with that that was amazing (laughs) tell us a bit about yourself Todd and your your musical journey what what inspires you a lot of stuff inspires me I love many types of music I much of my music is kind of a tribute to the music that affected me I try to make this is my fourth album I'm working on in the last year and I try to not make each album sound the same so it's all produced by Oliver Wagner at Sound Theory Labs in um, Taiwan and he has a, a really good vision you know of what the music should sound like like we we share the same vision the 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 first album was kind of this eclectic mix you know that came out last June uh, you know two Junes ago and then this the next one was spark which is really like big and anthemic and then the last one was love and change which I came onto the show with Richie for which is kind of a stripped down acoustic and then this one is um Oh, it's bigger. This is grander. This is called Starry Sounds, this album. I'm really uh, excited about this one. I think it's good. 
Starry Sounds. I thought it's, when I was listening to it, what was the, what was the song that you uh, brought for the um... Starry Sounds? Starry Sounds too. That's the same. The album and the song. No, you, when we did the Artist Lounge. Uh, oh, that was ago. Song Universal. Song Universal. Yeah, and uh, completely different songs, of course. Yeah, they? yeah, it's very different. <laughs> yeah, and it kind of threw me a bit. This one, I didn't know was when it started off very slow, and I thought, is, is this going? And, and it really did pick up really well and right yeah it kind of went everywhere it's hard for me to explain what i'm thinking but it started off and you you think it's going somewhere but it, it, it there's so, a definite it progression went, to yeah it kind of went somewhere else direction. and it progressed so well thanks it's it's meant to kind of catch you off guard once the it did guitars <laughs> come in it did. but but then then again you're it's 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 hoping that someone's not going to skip through the song because the first part is very very intimate and then it gets bigger and bigger and bigger you know so it kind of depends on patience from the listener at the beginning yeah so what's the story behind the song how did it come how did, you know how did it come to be oh i was in thailand on a beach where the tsunami hit back in 2003 but this song isn't necessarily about that tsunami but it's you're watching these children you know building sandcastles and then you think about how this tsunami just wiped everything out you know and how our lives are so fragile too you know how really all we have is this moment but then it's also just this incredible time to be alive you know if you don't read the media all the time and the insane stuff happening you know it's we're living in an amazing time so i was trying to create starry sounds this kind of one that puts the image of stars but then the sounds and these incredible sounds from the beginning of the universe and Okay, I'm getting way out there, but how do you write that down? How do you capture this this incredible, massive sound? Well, you can't, but you can try, you know? And you can also try to live your life and enjoy it to the fullest. So the song is really about, about impermanence, how things, you know, you don't know what's going to happen next, but within each moment is this kind of universe i'm getting out there sorry but no not at all Carry so, on. so so basically you got this tsunami that comes in wipes away all memory you know but then later on stuff's gonna grow back you know stuff's constantly generating and the final song of the album too returns to the starry sounds and the next song it returns to how like we have the origins of the you know universe in our hearts that you know they say all that stuff now it's kind of cliche that we're the same star matter is in us that's at the beginning of the universe but it's it's trying to in spite of the fact that we could all be gone tomorrow or something it's 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 stretching your days out you know and making them expansive anyway that's starry sounds yeah follow that up now this is dark shit this is this is yeah. right no it's not supposed to be dark it's supposed to be uh, light he, he wasn't he wasn't he was very yeah it's interesting that we mentioned you mentioned an early aria uh, early because mm -hmm. I when I listened to it, I kind of got a bit of an early REM influence. It didn't. Mm -hmm. I mean, it didn't get musically. It had got that sort of gentle progression where we said before where it takes you off guard and goes somewhere that you don't expect it to go. Mm -hmm. That's the kind of thing I was thinking about. I mean, your voice doesn't sound anything like Michael Stipe, but he just he just put me in in mind of that right. sort of early unpredictable. It, I think uh, the Flaming Lips would have influenced me a lot for this song. I think. Yeah. yeah. Or Mercury Rev, either one of those were 
Um, but no, it's not meant to be dark. It's meant to be, you know, this, this just light, this expansiveness in, in spite of everything, you know, how. Yeah, um, maybe I said that wrong. It's kind of like um, the, 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 light, it's, it's the light within the dark type thing. Right. Um, yeah, which is kind of like a different approach. You've either got some people who, who bring a message of, you know, a nice message of light, or some people who bring a dark mm-hmm. message. This is kind of like trying to bring a message of light within the dark. It's kind of like shit happens, but life will find a way. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And you can stick that yes. on your webpage for free. I will, I will. That's a good quote to put at the top. Wayne, you're, you're anyway. very quiet. What's that? Thank God. Oh, yeah, Wayne. So, Wayne, Wayne's remained very quiet during this. Do you have anything to add? No, I'm just chilling. That's just the, chilling? Yeah. It's just a relaxed state. That's what it is. I, I got... Um, <laughs> e- e- even the conversation around your song is chilled Wayne and out. chilled Wayne. That, that is good. <laughs> So this this so this song is a it's part of an album that's being released, is it? Yeah, and anyway, the rest of the album sounds nothing like it at all. Brilliant. Um, every song, <laughs> every song is completely different. You know. So. But what is an album but a collection of songs? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, 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 it is. I mean, and I, uh, I say that some albums can you know be like a book. They can be a, a concept a, album. They can have a story from beginning to end, but. Usually, mm-hmm. they're just a. But it's of this. Songs. This is a concept album, and a lot of the songs fit very neatly into it. You know. Yeah, like I said, it it begins and ends on those little chime things. You know, a lot of stories through it. I think it's probably my best album I've written. You know. So you're gonna release the album in gyps and jabs, or you're just gonna leave, like? Uh, it'll one all or come two out. The, no, it'll all come out the twenty fourth. Whole album. The whole yeah. album. Okay. Yeah, set to release. So, but yeah. talking to artists, there's lots of artists doing it different ways. It's like some artists they'll want to release each and every song individually and then release the album. But no. Yeah, yeah, I'm not always as you into that. You just want to that. get it out there. You spent that much I, time. I just like... You spent that much time bleeding over it. You want to get it out there. A bit like a Netflix series. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Exactly. Though I, I like to get it all all out in a chunk so you can process so can it. But it's not really. The, it's not the time of albums anymore. It's the time of singles. But I still is, like yeah. the the album feeling. Yeah. But then again, I suppose if you like, you say it is a concept album. You you kind of need the album to be out there all in one go, don't you? So so people can f- follow it through from beginning to end. Yeah. Exactly. Think of like Wish You Were Here were just released and just song by song. It wouldn't fit you know yeah yeah so it's it's quite a different album than the the other ones but uh it's mostly acoustic you know it's mostly there are things that are the same you know so what comes after this what comes what what is the what is the few next year or two for todd um, well i'm working on the fifth album now and that's i'm about four songs into that one and that's turning out really well too that's gonna have a lot of three-part harmonies mostly throughout the album so i'm excited about that I think do you it's, collab uh, in any way with other vocalists or would you plan yeah to? yeah yeah i have leah the woman who sings with me sings on everything and mike my old bandmate sings with me and everything like i said has been done with oliver wagner and the sound theory labs and i have roberto diana i have all the same musicians on every album it's just like i said every album sounds yeah every album sounds completely different but like i said this one's going to be big i think it's good i mean not big like not successful anyway but i think it's it's a it's a it's a grand statement you know cool 
I look forward to hearing the Great. all of that album. Um, I was going to ask you about shows, but if I remember right, due to your location, it's difficult for you to uh, play your music. Yeah, live. well, frankly, I don't really like playing in bars anymore because I don't like when people talk <laughs> and they're drinking. And, you know, it's just it, for the acoustic music, it's difficult. And I'm kind of going deaf in one ear. And it's I like playing in coffee shops. But the problem about Hong Kong is the rent is that the most in the, the most expensive rent in the world so some little dive coffee shop can't survive you know which has music you just have starbucks and the pacific which is pacific is a asian chain you only have these chain coffee shops so there's not that coffee shop culture for playing that's what i liked you know that's a shame. where people are, people are highly caffeinated watching your music you know you know <laughs> you know <laughs> you don't get that anymore that's a shame. Well, if you, uh, do you do you travel a lot? I remember you you was over. Yes, in, uh, I do. When you were in Oxford, uh, what, yes, I was. I and I did play a show in Oxford in some bar with my old bandmates, and that was great. I mean, people just were completely quiet and watching us, you know, and that was really, really incredible. I'd like that'll probably be one of my last shows. It's I've just so kind you of don't become plan on like studio. Over again? Yeah, I will come over. I mean, but I mean he, in the near future I'm not going to play uh live that much. You know, I don't enjoy it. I enjoy the studio. I enjoy I think we talked last time. Obviously yeah, it's great yeah, yeah. with an audience in front of you, but if the audience is all drunk and just talking while you're playing yeah. That's not fun either. And that's a lot of that's kind of in Hong Kong, a lot of expats who just talk and drink. And we were in, maybe that wasn't a typical bar in Oxford, but it was all these people that came to watch music, but they were all completely quiet and listening, you know? Yeah. But, you know, I'm not, I, I'm not that sad about it. It's fine. I, I really enjoy making these songs. You're the kind of person that makes music for the love of making music. You don't want to take over the world. You don't want to make millions. You just enjoy music. You love music. And if you can touch right. people, that pleases you. Right. Because and I that's think the way I said, it should be. Right. And like I said, like maybe 150 years ago, people would be sitting in a living room and someone would be playing a guitar. And maybe that's all who will hear that song, you know, and it moves on. And now that we have mass communication, it doesn't necessarily have to be in your songs need to reach millions you know you can if you affect just a few people it's great you know and, and i get the occasional email or everything by someone who really like was affected by a song you know it's great yeah well i think uh, you got anything to add to that wayne you do need to pick an intensive genre musical we do yes oh that's down to you todd do you have any okay. suggestions todd do you have any suggestions uh, yeah. intense hardcore genre musical challenge mode go next uh, next episode intense hardcore so, just pick a genre. Just a really obscure genre. genre. Or do you want to okay. pick one from the Bible? Pick a letter from the Bible. We have a, we have a genre Bible. Let's see. Maybe some soul music. How about that? Soul, soul. music. Wow, I don't know. I just new. thought of that. I just thought of something that came off the top of my head. Yeah, let's just have a look in the Bible. Well, then see if there's any you have to find. You find the you find the subgenre of soul. You know. Yeah. Let's have a look. Um, a subgenre of the soul would be the spirit, I think. Hey! No, just me? Okay. Ah, okay, here we go. Soul blues, soul jazz, soul music. Soul funk? No, no, just those three. There should be a soul, soul funk. Soul blues, soul jazz, or soul music. I think Neil deserves soul jazz. I think it... It's, it's not for me. I, I did the... Um, no, I, I, I did the bluegrass punk badly. <laughs> it's for Rich. <laughs> okay, then, so... so soul... Soul blues, soul blues, soul jazz, or soul what? Soul, soul. Or soul. <laughs> you choose one, uh, Todd. Which one? Um, soul. Do you said soul jazz? You yeah. did say that, yeah. What is that? Okay, do soul jazz. Oh yeah. 
I is that like jazz. smooth jazz? Is we'll it like smooth find out. jazz? I don't know. We shall find out. So Richard's challenge for next week is soul jazz. Yeah, actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. My head to head, Blake. You can bring that again. Harvest Blake, Harvest Blake, and Co will probably fall under that. Just bring it again. I'll just bring another song of theirs. Awesome. So there you go. All right, fantastic. Close it, Neil. Close it. Well, we've been. You haven't heard this music podcast. We've been talking to Todd Warner more. It's been emotional. (laughs) It's been emotional. So all that remains to say is thank you for listening. If indeed you still are. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> Bye guys. Footprints sink where the sea meets land. Tiny hands carve their moats in sand If only for a while Their towers will arise from the pile Right here on this moonlit beach A water wall rush those great palm trees Submerge this idle Uprooted memory left no trace. At this time of magnificence, castle lies lifting in the I just can't write it down or catch these stars. Sound.